Did you know that 50% of marriages end in divorce? And in 2020, the top reported reasons for divorce were a lack of communication and an inability to resolve conflict. So I have a question for you. Would you wait until your entire house had burnt down or three of the five bedrooms before you sought help? It is more likely that as soon as you saw the spark of that first flame, you would be doing everything in your power to fight it, to fix it, to learn from it, and to seek help. And it should be the same for your marriage. I am curious. Do you feel lonely or taken advantage of in your marriage? Are you struggling to communicate your wants and your needs to your husband? Do you no longer feel like you're seeing eye to eye? Or are you engaged or dating and you desire to prepare yourself in the best way for your future husband? Then I am very excited to tell you all about The Wife Project. If you've not heard about it yet, before we jump into our next episode, I want to share The Wife Project course with all of you because our society views marriage as disposable, but God's word calls us to so much more than that. And the purpose of The Wife Project is to challenge you to grow so deeply in your relationship with Jesus that it has no choice but to flow over into your marriage. I'm offering eight full-length video sessions broken into smaller pieces to keep your attention that will address your root issues and offer biblical wisdom that will lead you to living life with your husband as soulmates rather than sharing life as roommates. I'm also offering you the Wife Project Journal, which I love, and I created and implemented marriage challenges for you specifically so that you can take action as soon as you finish the course. And I also provide journal questions that I often ask myself for you to process through the deep-seated heart issues and marriage issues that you struggle with. I'm also offering memory verse note cards that you can cut out and put on your windshield or on your mirror when you're getting ready in the mornings, as well as conversation starters with your spouse when you don't really know how to begin. The pre-sale of the course will launch on February 17th, and that will only be open until the 19th. And that's the lowest price that the Wife Project will ever be is for pre-sale because I love people who are on time or early, and I know that just means that you guys are excited for it. We have hundreds of women on the wait list already, and I would love for you to be a part of that. So if you're interested, just go to the link in my bio on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay, or just scroll down the show notes and you will see the link there from this episode. I'm so, so excited. And then doors will open on February 22nd, and they will only be open for five days and the doors will completely shut. So this is a very, very limited time offer for this course. Um, And again, it is eight weeks of video sessions that you can go through at your own pace and have access to. And the Wife Project Journal is yours to keep. So find a girlfriend, find a group of Bible study women that you want to do this with to strengthen your marriage, deepen your faith more than ever before, and really dig through the hard issues of forgiveness and communication and sex and intimacy and the small fights and struggles that create big fights and struggles that begin to damage your marriage. I will also be talking about being a crown to your husband rather than a thorn. We will be addressing what it means to be a selfless lover rather than a selfish lover. We'll address embitterment and selfishness and pride and all of the things that will challenge your heart likely convict your heart, but also lead you to so much hope 
for a relationship and a marriage with your husband that becomes one of best friends rather than distant partners. So make sure to sign up for the waitlist. And again, check out my Instagram at living easy with Lindsay on February 17th, and you will be able to join and do the pre-sale on that day. And if you have any questions, feel free to send me a DM and I cannot wait. So let's get to the intro of today's episode with Tiffany Bloom. Tiffany Bloom is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts to listen to called Why Though? And I'm very excited to have her on the show today because this is the first time I've had the chance to interview her and I couldn't be more thrilled that it is on the topic that it is because of her wisdom, her knowledge, and her powerful voice. Tiffany is an advocate for justice. She's an advocate for speaking out, and she is currently taking pre-orders for her new book, Pray Tell, Why We Silence Women Who Tell the Truth and How Everyone Can Speak Up. So she explores the complex dynamics of power and abuse and systems we find ourselves in and talks with honesty and strength. And I've not been able to put the book down, so I strongly recommend it. But in this conversation, we are talking about how abuse and shame and blame and regret from past decisions can impact our sexuality and our sexual relationships with our spouses. So we dig into kind of the way that the world views sexuality, the way that it portrays women's sexuality and what it's supposed to look like and dig into how that affects the way that we view ourselves and the comfortability that we have with ourselves. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear her heart. This is not an episode that you want to miss. And please do take a second to share this with somebody that may have been hurt in the past, whether verbally or physically, or has been a victim of sexual abuse, because we want them to know that these conversations are happening within Christianity and within the church. Let's dive into today's episode. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. For all of our listeners, this is Tiffany Bloom. Tiffany, thank you so much for being willing to have this conversation with us today and for being willing to have this conversation in your book because it is so, so needed. Thank you. Labor of love, that's for sure. Hard-earned yeah. wisdom. 
So we are actually in the middle of a sex series. I just really felt so heavily on my heart as I was reading your story, the correlation between what you're saying along with what so many women have come to me to talk about basically that so much of their lack of desire for intimacy, so much of their feelings of inadequacy come from shame, blame, regret, all kinds of things. So I kind of wanted to dive into that as well as everything else that we have going on today. So can you first tell us a little bit about your book, Pray Tell? Yeah, Pray Tell, Why We Silence Women Who Tell the Truth and How Everyone Can Speak Up addresses unchecked misogyny, an imbalance of power between men and women, and how theologically and sociology and professionally, we have created these systems where we silence women and we exploit their bodies, we exploit their voice, we exploit their platform, we exploit their accomplishments and their weaknesses to advance a man's place. We are conditioned to believe men and silence women, both historically, biblically, and obviously in modern history. We see that really playing out since 2017 in the Me Too movement. Yeah, and it is powerful. Let me tell you guys, as I've read through, I just so admire your willingness and ability to bring freedom to women by telling your story. Because so many times I think we believe the lie that when we remain in bondage, we are pushing past it and working through it, but you really can't get past it and work through the nitty gritty without speaking it out and discussing it and sharing and allowing others to help you to heal. So Just to kind of dive into some of the questions, in chapter seven of your book, this quote resonated with me in such a way. You said, I internalized the belief that I, with my female gaze, growing chest, and hip hugger jeans, could cause my brother to stumble if I wasn't careful. Men were visual creatures, I was told, and therefore it was up to me and my sisters in the Lord to ensure that our brothers didn't stumble due to our appearance. And so for me, I was not raised as a Christian, but I resonate with this because I heard it from authorities at my school. I heard it from family members. And while I didn't attend a Christian school, this was the rhetoric. So in your opinion, how does this perspective of we are causing men to stumble, we are objects of lust and affection, how does this affect us as we grow into ourselves and our sexuality? Yeah, I think it does a lot of damage, Lindsay. I think this Greco-Roman influence that influenced the early church to say women were second, women shouldn't speak, a woman's body is the reason men stumble, a woman's body and voice and persuasion is the reason sin entered the world, men are pure, women are dirty. And so that has obviously made its way into mainstream and sacred culture. The purity movement that came up in the 90s, I think really did a number on people, but also just parents who wanted the best for their daughters, people who wanted the best for the women in their life. And in their minds, it meant find a way to remove yourself from places where you could be preyed upon rather than be a strong woman. Don't take crap from other people. It was more of, it's your job to avoid abuse versus addressing men who take advantage of women or who seduce women or who assault women. So we were told you can control a men's gaze. This is all on you with the way you dress and how you look at people versus holding men accountable. 
it put the blame preemptively on women before they had done anything. Mm-hmm. In fact, you hear a lot of women who grew up in that narrative of it's because of you that men are going to stumble. It's because of you that you were taken advantage of. Even that belief systems, they can bring on post-traumatic stress symptoms of somebody who's not even been taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. So because yeah. that's so ingrained in us and we believe that we're the problem, that's the basis of it is you're the problem. Your body's the problem. Your growing body is the problem mm-hmm. and what you're capable of and how you can hurt men and how you can bring a man down is the problem. So it's giving women this power that they weren't looking to wield in the first place. Yeah. It, they weren't looking to exploit in the first place. So it's just, it's misplaced blame and shame versus holding boys and men accountable And it really has convinced women that you're going to get what you deserve. Mm -hmm. And another thing that has really done is when we look at other women, it's easy for women to judge women because of that. Because Mm -hmm. if something happened to you, I have to believe that you played a part. Because if not, that could easily happen to me. Okay, Tiffany, I randomly came across a story last night that blew my mind and actually I just clicked has so much to do with this conversation. There is an actor right now. I think his name is Army Hammer. And very ironically, I've watched three movies, which I don't usually watch movies, but three movies in probably the past like two months that have him in all of these movies. But anyway, he is out in the public right now. Some DMs have been screenshot of him with some very cannibalistic types of text messages. Yes. So bizarre. And they're very, very vulgar. They're very crass. And the women who are now coming out are saying that they had safe words in their intimacy. And these are obviously not Christians. I'm not referring to Christians, but they had safe words in their intimacy that he would ignore and he hurt them physically. They would come out with bruises and marks and scars from being with him and that he would, there were really bizarre, you guys would have to read it all, but really bizarre conversations about like sucking blood and cutting off toes and eating hearts and really crazy. But let me tell you this, that as you scroll, if this were a woman, because I've watched women get eaten alive when things come out about them. And I follow this culture because it is such a big part of kind of why I, teach. And what I talk about is to get our mind off of what the world says is the way that it is because it's so wrong, but women get eaten alive if they have pictures that are out. And let me tell you on all of the comment threads, they say, leave him alone. Don't shame him for having desires. These women are probably making this up. I guarantee that these messages are faked. Even though there's countless women with countless messages from him, he is already being excused. And I turned to my husband in like fury. And I said, if this were a woman, this story would be so different. This response, especially the women in this thread would be shaming, blaming, accusing with all of their hearts. And so I just fully agree with you. I think it is so sad that women now turn on women without even the willingness to hear them or to believe them. And I remember girls in school who would like tape down their boobs because they felt shameful of that. And I genuinely believe that pours so much, at least it has for me, pours so much into a relationship. So isn't it wild though? Like the way that that goes. And the way that strangers on the internet were making excuses for someone who had power, is high class, 
is the dominant gender who's White the man. right race. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's all those power dynamics play in our favor. And also when we have a first impression of somebody, whether it's in a movie, whether it's in person, it is very hard to break that first impression. Even if somebody comes with an unpopular truth to tell about that person, because if they were someone we liked in a movie or if someone they were who baptized our kid, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these reasons we have affection to people and we give them more weight in our life than they are warranted. Mm-hmm. And in turn, we're willing to turn on anyone else with somebody who has something that is dissonant with our belief and our understanding with that person who holds power, but yeah. who has abused his power. Yes. And so I want to dive in. My listeners know this, but I was raped in high school and it was such a cliche the way that it happened. I was a young girl. I was still 14. I entered high school early. He was a senior football player and got very aggressive. If anyone hasn't heard my story, it's my testimony on episode 30, but it was immediately and widely dismissed. And the regular terminology that I heard in response, because I did come forward right away, I went and got a rape kit. I talked about it and it was dismissed for many reasons. But one of the main conversations around it was he would never do that. He could never do that. He is him, you know, he is in a great position. And I've shared before it went on, he went on to show his true character and went to jail and all kinds of things. But at the time, nobody wanted to believe and especially because me, I was not living the best life. I'm still 14 years old, but wasn't living the best example. And the easiest person to believe, even though it truly wasn't my fault, was him. So I was then told that I had put myself into that position. And so as I grew older, I continued to live in sin and in promiscuity and just sexual immorality because I felt and I believed that it was just what men wanted and deserved. Like I couldn't be in a room with a guy alone. And even though I was crawling out of my skin, feel like I couldn't give him something because otherwise he wouldn't want me anymore. And I think a lot of that was the dismissal of what had happened. I didn't have value. I didn't have worth. And so in your book, you talk about this a lot and saying that what has sadly become an acceptable rebuttal to a woman's claims of harassment and systemic silencing is for the accused to refute claims of what he's done with who he is and what he's accomplished. So in your opinion, how does this affect a woman's value and worth, whether it's physical or verbal abuse, or just a dismissal of the way that we may be treated by men, by bosses. You mentioned a power figure in your life as well, correct? First of all, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. I'm new to hearing that story. And just, I can't imagine 14-year-old Lindsay trying to make sense of the world. And so many girls, you know, I feature this in the book, but, you know, more than 50% of girls by middle school have been harassed or assaulted. Mm middle school, we're talking about that we have deemed it socially acceptable for boys, not men, boys to take advantage of other girls, not men taking advantage of women. And and, and other boys hold them accountable to that. And if they don't exploit, harass, or assault the girls in their class, then they're not a quote unquote man. It's a disgusting trend and acceptable way of our culture that it demonizes women. Mm-hmm. It demonizes women because the fact that you came forward or that any woman would come forward with this honest truth, we find that those women become disposable. 
-hmm. and that the men become indispensable in that situation, just like yours. And I think how women are affected by that, obviously our experiences, we're all looking for new endings to the broken storylines of our lives. Mm -hmm. We're all looking for wholeness and redemption. And if we don't receive that, we will continue to be in that sick cycle until we find something that will scratch that itch. As a man thinketh, so he is. So when we believe or think and treated that we're of low value or not worthy, that becomes a part of us, right? That is weaved, that's baked into the bread. Mm-hmm. We're of course going to believe that. And what does that do? That creates cultures, that creates people groups, that creates faith communities, that creates uh, communities where we believe it's okay to treat women like this. Yeah. Because this doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? Like this mm-hmm. didn't just happen to you. This has happened to millions of women. Right. And you realize, wow. The fact that he didn't go to jail right away and you did all the right things. Mm -hmm. You told somebody, you took a rape kit. Even just the fact that you did that is pure evidence that this happened. Mm -hmm. And so many women don't, and girls, don't even get to that point because they so fear not being believed and they so fear losing their place in their world and society and school and their family and church that they don't want to speak up. So the fact that you did everything right Mm -hmm. and you were met with disgust, you were met with disgrace and dishonor, this is why so many women feel like it's not even worth it to speak up. Right. I think especially when they hit the college years, you know, educational institutions are known to hide misconduct. They're known to handle it, you know, in-house and not pull in legal representation or the police department. And again, women learn, I won't win. Mm-hmm. When it comes up to me and a man, I will always be second. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to write the moral arc toward justice and see heaven come to earth, it is women taking their place and refusing, refusing for this to be the narrative. This cannot yeah. continue. Okay. So coming off of that, then what is the step forward? Because I still encourage always say it. I am glad I spoke it out loud. I am glad that I at least had the conversations and gave the opportunity to have help. And as much as it hurts that there were just moments that it wasn't, now that I'm 30, it has created the opportunity to really dig into these conversations and for there to be healing and to address it with people who were involved. So I still believe in the freedom. And you mentioned a lot in your book, I remember the part where you're talking about you know, you see him and you don't feel like you're cowering anymore. So what is the process for women who are feeling stuck? Maybe they didn't come forward 15 years ago, or they didn't come forward last month, or it just happened to them. How do they walk forward, move forward from the pain and the shame and the guilt in order to be intimate with their spouse, in order to find freedom within their own body so that they don't live there anymore? I think, you know, we want to believe that if we ignore the issues, they might go away on their own, but the monsters under the bed are going to come out and find us. So I think first we have to lament if it happened 15, 50 years ago, five months ago, five minutes ago, we have to stop and lament both the Old and New Testament. Give us plenty of examples of pouring ourselves out before the Lord, Mm -hmm. grieving what's taken place. I think sometimes we skip over that because we want the healing so bad. But if we don't feel everything that's happened, because the Lord can handle it all. Mm -hmm. He's so faithful. He's so good. He is ready to handle it all. So I think first we have to lament what's happened. We have to go back and see this issue and realize the effect that it's had on us. Admit to ourselves how this has shaped our character, Mm -hmm. how this has shaped our view of God, our view of ourselves, and our view of others. Next, I think we need to sit with people of peace. That might be a therapist. That might be a mentor. 
that might be a good friend, someone who you know has ears to hear, Mm -hmm. someone who won't rush you or encourage you to forgive that person on the spot when there hasn't been repentance of any kind by the perpetrator. I think we first need to be with people of peace. There is a beautiful thing that happens in our brains and in our hearts and in our spirits and in our minds when we're willing to share and be listened to. We all want to feel seen and known no matter what the topic subject might be. So being able to share with people of peace, we lament, we share with people of peace. And then I think we, we map out our healing journey. Again, I think with a therapist, when it comes to exploitation, harassment, and assault, I don't think anyone's equipped on their own to handle that. And I often feel that we go to our church leaders and they're not equipped. They're not trauma specialists. They don't know how to handle this. They don't know how to walk our brain and help those neurons to fire correctly. Mm -hmm. That's not their expertise. And we're often met with shame by our faith leaders. So I think truly there's, there's free support groups out there. There are great trauma therapists. There are great books that we can read on this issue. And then I think next, we have to seek justice. Love looks like justice and whether it's been, again, so much time has passed or whether it's something that happened in the last couple years, seeking justice, calling the authorities, making employers aware of what's happened, making a faith community aware of what's happened, because it's so easy that we have these complicit systems who are willing to protect someone who's abused their power, but those systems need to know. And there's nothing quite like calling the police. There's nothing quite like getting legal representation. And now we live in an era where there are more local and national resources available to pursue legal ramification. So I don't reduce it to just the heart healing. It has to be systemic healing too. Because when we, again, address this only in a vacuum, systemically, this isn't going to change. But when we see, okay, may I get healing for myself with people of peace around me to walk it out, with allies to walk it out, and then to walk it out with justice so we can see systemically, because we don't want this to happen to anyone else. Right. We don't want what's happened to us to happen to anyone else. Mm-hmm. So seeing that uh, widespread change. This isn't part of my questions that I had originally had, but as you mentioned church leadership, what would you speak to the Mormon listening who have struggled with exactly that, with either being ignored, led astray, shamed, blamed by leadership and are having a hard time returning to the church or having a hard time even trusting in Jesus because how they have been hurt by the church with such a very real, very painful issue. I first just want to say, wherever you're listening, I know exactly how you feel. As somebody who played by all the rules, I found Jesus very young. I was lettered in youth group, loved Mm -hmm. the Lord. I played by all the rules that were put before me. And I thought if I did that, nothing bad would happen. And when I found myself in an impossible situation, and when I lost my faith community, I worked in a nonprofit where a lot of people were men and women of faith. I couldn't believe that telling the truth and being honest and vulnerable would award me disgrace. And it would award me getting cast out of the faith community that I love so much. So I would say you are seen and you are known, and this was not of God. And I pray that as you understand the actions of human beings, who are so flawed, are not the actions of God. That is not the heart of God. And scripture continually reminds us that Jesus is for the downtrodden. Look at Jesus' encounter with women. And I also think you need to take time to grieve. I took a few years to really be like, what do I think about this whole church thing? Where is my heart at? And this is somebody who went into ministry full-time. So I was like, wait a second, is this Jesus? What is, what is this? Is this, was this handled appropriately? Because when people don't bear the image as intended, it can bear some rotten fruit. And when you eat that fruit, it can really put you off the church. So I would say, step back, give yourself time to grieve. 
and wait until you're ready where your heart is tender and open, where you can consider joining a faith community or in a house of worship, where you can consider that. And the best thing is we live in a day and age where online you can be a part of Mm -hmm. Bible studies, whether it's the Bible app, reading Bible plans and devotionals. There are other ways to rediscover Yahweh. There's other ways to rediscover the God who goes before the brokenhearted and knowing that He does not stand for injustice. And I would also add in that, just as you're saying, Tiffany, that while people are so incredibly flawed, not everyone is like that. I know so many incredible pastors whose heart is for their people. My father-in-law is one of them whose heart is to love, whose heart is for healing and to hear women. And it is easy, I think, for us, while I am not diminishing in any way the pain that that causes because I fully understand and grieve with these women, but that just to not allow yourself maybe or not allow the enemy to create that thought in your mind that this is a generalization of every single person. While it is very much a systemic issue within the church and a power role and I've spoken on my Instagram about Ravi Zacharias accusations that really devastated people. These are real things and they are really hard to hear, but it is not everyone. It's not everyone in the church. And while sometimes it can be easy to feel that way because it's just confusing as all can be that there are people who will love you and there are people who will stand alongside and walk alongside this pain with you as well. And so you've touched on it a little bit, Tiffany, but would you mind sharing a little bit about the secret that you held on to for so long, why you held on to it and how that experience has impacted your comfortability in your marital intimacy, sexuality, if at all? Yeah. So I just want to also go back to what you said. I love how you talked about your father-in-law and there are incredible people of peace. And it just made me think of Mr. Rogers. Look for the helpers. Look for the helpers, he told us. And there really are incredible men and women who understand there is something to lose and there is something to put on the line, but it's always willing to sacrifice for wholeness Mm -hmm. for the brokenhearted. So in my situation, I think growing up in the evangelical church that really espoused purity and virginity above all else, and then believing that family and marriage was the apex of the Christian life, it really skewed my understanding to believe that it was all on me. It was all on me to do the right thing, to be the right person. And again, I feel like I played by the rules and I read the rule book and then I'm a type A Kind of gap, three on the Enneagram, you know? <laughs> Me too. And so there you go. There you go. So it was just, I was astounded. I was astounded yeah. when I spoke truth to power. And I was a bystander in my situation. So when I spoke truth to power on behalf of someone else, on behalf of the other women in my world, hmm. to a power figure, I was silly enough, Lindsay, to think that I would be believed. And nothing could have been further from the truth. <laughs> so, But not silly, that, though. Yeah, but it shouldn't be silly, but yes, I understand. Yeah. I know you're using yeah. that in jest, but yeah. yeah. And I was told that I was not of God and that I, that I was trying to upset the plans of God and that mm. I was a Jezebel and what God was doing in that place and space. I didn't want to see it thrive and all these ridiculous wow. distractions. They were distractions from the issue. Again, yeah. protecting the abuser of power mm-hmm. and dismissing the vulnerable, which you often see in places of power because it's easier. It's easier to dismiss the vulnerable it is. because they don't have power to leverage, to make their voice heard. But what does happen is when many women come together, that's usually when movement happens, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's not when one woman comes forward. It's usually when many, which is a sad thing because this anthem of believe women is not an invitation to believe women without evidence. It's an invitation to give one woman as much voice to be heard as we do one man. Mm-hmm. So how that affected my marriage, I think I was so fearful of being or appearing dirty that even in my marriage, I, I mean, just real talk, yeah. I would say the first three or four years, they weren't what they could have been because I so feared this idea of being dirty and sullied, even in marriage and even in intimacy with my husband. I was a virgin when I got married. And so going into this, I'm like, no, this is still dirty because when that's all you've been told, it's hard to all of a sudden become this goddess, you know? Yes. And you're like, this is not- this In is the so bedroom. Dis- yeah, this is so <laughs> yeah. dissonant from what I've been told. Yeah. And so then to find myself in a situation where I am speaking truth to power and I am advocating for other women in my world Of course, what is somebody going to do when you're advocating for truth? They're going to come after you because if they can't make the issue go away, they can make the person go away. The narrative was, I was this broken girl. I had all these issues and I'm just like, where are these people getting these things? Like, look at my, you know, in my experience, I was like, look at my evaluations, look at my mentors, look at Mm -hmm. my job performance. How could you hold this against me? So I would say it really affected my belief about what was holy and what was sacred Mm -hmm. and the beauty of sex and the beauty of intimacy and understanding that even though it's been sullied, even though you can experience so much shame for something you didn't even do, Lindsay, Mm -hmm. you can experience so much shame Mm -hmm. and so much misplaced fear and how even the fear and shame and guilt can rob you of this beautiful gift that God has given you between you and your spouse. I would say it really took a lot of long conversations and belief that each other were good. Mm -hmm. Belief that what we had was good, what we could gift each other was good. And knowing that despite of what's going on in our world around us, that is something we could share. And that was something that was holy. And I wasn't dirty or broken because I wanted something that God made me to crave. Yes, that sexuality and a desire for sexuality, even as a single person, is not bad. And we're actually going to have a whole episode on that. But that rhetoric from get the get-go, I always say this on the podcast, that you grow up hearing sex is dirty and gross. So do it with the person that you love. It is so wrong, but isn't it true? It's like, it's a horrible, horrible thing. So like save it for that person. So when you get there, I can fully relate to the feeling dirty. You know, what's interesting is even my husband who was much better than me growing up, I would say if we're comparing, but he still to this day struggles with some forms of intimacy with some forms of feeling comfortable enough because he was a pastor's kid. So he has this idea, this concept that it really is a, I don't know, it's almost like a burden to overcome. Like you have to do it the right way or God will spite you. So I've had to have these conversations with him. And then he has conversations with me where sometimes I'm just asking the question, going back, you know, I'm like, no, I've forgiven. I have moved forward. I'm healing. But you just have those days where I'm like, did I cause that? Was I the reason? And to have the people that knew, you know, able to walk me through it is huge. But I'm very thankful that you mentioned the conversation and the healing process and that it wasn't just immediate because I know that there are many, many women who struggle similarly and feel like they can't even be seen naked by their husband because they just feel gross. And that really is the enemy stealing something so beautiful that God has created 
for your marriage. And isn't it um, wild that he's done that to women who maybe had been promiscuous in their past and found freedom, but then also women who hadn't done anything and they still feel this shame yes. and this guilt. It truly robs everybody on the spectrum. And reading throughout scripture, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing this sex series is because I just believe that there are so, not only in the church, but in the world, there are so many lies about sex and sexuality. And whether that we read them or hear them or see the subliminal messages through advertising, whatever it might be, that it taints our perspective. It taints our view of what God has intended it to be. So I just challenge the women who are listening, just as Tiffany said, find your, what did you call it? A person of peace. Yeah. I love that. A safe space to go to and have those conversations, but also read the word for yourselves. I did a poll on my Instagram and I asked how many of my followers are Christian. And I think it was like 97% said, I love Jesus. And I said, how many of you read your Bible? And I think it was 25 to 30% of women or of followers, I guess. I have more men now. So thanks men for listening too. Mm -hmm. But it was really shocking to me because as wonderful as it is to hear teachings from other pastors, we are wanting to hear what God is teaching them by listening to them. Why don't we want to hear what God has to say to us through his word, through the work of the Holy Spirit within our hearts? So I just challenge you, get in the word, find out who God is for yourself, dig deep into his character, into his heart for you, into his heart for women, as Tiffany said, because what a powerful example Jesus was for women. And so many people don't know that. So I'm just very thankful for you, Tiffany. For those of you who don't know, Tiffany and my friend Ashley Abercrombie hosts the Why Though podcast. And I always listen in the shower because it's like my only quiet time in the day with two little boys. And it is genuinely just one. And I'm not a huge, which is funny, huge podcast listener because I get easily distracted. But I can always focus on yours because it's genuinely so good. Yeah. No, I really mean it. I love yours. So your new book, Pray Tell, tell everyone where they can find it and then also how they can find you on social media. Absolutely. You can find me at tiffanybloom.com, B-L-U-H-M, and everything about the book, links to retailers, and also our pre-order bonus. So you get access to a free digital summit with experts, journalists, historians, psychologists all around this issue. And on social media, I'm at Tiffany Bloom. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. I'm thankful thank for you. you. Thankful for your story. For everyone, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please do take a second to share it. This is a topic that, man, I feel so passionately about. You know this because you hear about it regularly, but to hear Tiffany's heart and her perspective, it's just wisdom. And to read her story, and I'm telling you guys, if you need to read the book because it is powerful, it's full of truth, and it's full of change. It is a heart for change and a calling to change and it calls you up. So take a second to read, pray, tell, recommend it to a friend and tag us in this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with others so that they know that this is a conversation that can be had between Christians within the church and that it should be happening more often. My Instagram tag is at living easy with Lindsay and Tiffany is at Tiffany Bloom. And we'll talk to you guys next Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. 
If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.